Well, welcome everyone to the Grow Podcast. I'm Brian Crow, Business Development Lead here at Atlantis. And today we are talking about public policy. And here we have Sue Tronchetti. Hi, Sue. Hi, Brian. Well, let's kick it off. Like it or not, public policy touches all of our lives. Can you tell us more about your work and public policy and the strategy that Landis has put in place for rural Iowa, for our farmers? Sure. So really, Landis has always had an interest in public policy and what's going on that affects our members and the cooperative through many of our associations that we belong to. But we currently are taking a deeper step into policy and getting more involved in rural Iowa. So Landis has many locations throughout Iowa, 650 employees, several thousand members. And so rural Iowa vitality is very important to Landis, our members and our employees. We're concerned about rural schools, rural businesses, and being responsive to the members on policy and giving our members and Landis a voice in state and national government and policy issues is important. And that's why we're taking this next step. And we've had a jump in to a couple situations. I remember last fall, there was potential for a railroad strike. And I know that there were some action items taken by you and some other folks at last. Can you talk about that? Yes. So the Surface Transportation Board works to regulate our railroads. And as many people know, Landis is located on all seven railroads throughout Iowa. So railroad transportation is extremely important. And this issue was coming up right during harvest when we needed a place to ship so that we could store all the crop that was coming in. So through our national associations like National Grain and Feed, National Institute for Farm Cooperatives, we're very involved in it. But we also took an active role in that I wrote to hearings for the STB board and spoke on Landis's behalf as far as how it affects our members and how important it was to reach a final designation on that. Along with that, we wrote and talked to several of our congressmen and senators. At the time, Cindy Axney was very active in helping us reach a resolution on that. Great. And you know, speaking of kind of federal elected officials, those types of folks, we've had quite a few come through the connector and to a lot of our other facilities. Can you talk about that a little bit, the importance of that, maybe some of the names of, of the people that have come through? Let's see, uh, my name dropping here. Let's, let's start with uh, U.S. Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh was here in the fall uh, to speak to uh, a Des Moines activity and then came out to the Petora area. Well, we got him in a combine with a Landis member and also on a cattle farm. He wanted to get out and see cattle as well. So I think it was his first time both in a combine and with cattle. A few weeks ago, Secretary of Ag, Tom Vilsack, was in Iowa and at Landis 
at our Innovation Connector and announced several grants, one of which was one that Landis received. Senator Joni Ernst was in Rick last fall before elections, so we got a chance to visit with her about the importance of some of the issues, as well as Representative Randy Feenster was in Ida Grove. In the past, Senator Grassley has been to Jefferson several times. And as I said, Cindy Axney was instrumental in the rail strike and has also been in the Landis office. And of course, on the state level, Secretary of Ag, Mike Nag, has been here a few times. Mm -hmm. We've also gone to some of their offices to visit with them about issues that are important to us, both in Washington and then with their with their district directors here in Iowa. What kind of things are, are we talking about with them when we go have those discussions? You know, in Iowa, it would be specific things that are going on with Landis. I would say the, the Land Works division that we have recently set up and possible funding ideas with that. Um, as far as nationally, when I've gone into D.C., it's been things like immigration and H-2A programs. Uh, not only Landis uses the H-2A program, several of our members have H-2A employees as well. It's been kind of a difficult, awkward program, so trying to get some concentration on how we might free up and make that program more friendly for not only the co-op, but our members. Certainly the coming farm bill, the rail transportation at the time. So those are a few of the mm -hmm. things we've visited about. How about, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of state issues that we find ourselves looking at as well as the federal. On the state side, you know, we obviously, we run a four month session, January to April, but sometimes May, June. What specifically were some of the, the items that we were tracking at Landis to pay attention to this, this past legislative session? Okay. And this is where I think that having a new emphasis on policy has been very helpful for Landis and our members, because as I said, rural Iowa and how Iowa policy is affecting our members and our locations is very important. And so the 2023 Iowa legislative session was really interesting, really fast paced. The governor came in with an agenda and it was what she wanted, pretty much she got. So we expressed concern and worked on voicing issues with school vouchers and concerns of future health of rural schools. Landis actively talked with Iowa legislators about the eminent domain and the CO2 pipeline and the need for protection for our members against taking land through the eminent domain process with private companies that were seeking private profits. It's mm -hmm. totally different than like a road that needs to go through. That is for the public good. Mm -hmm. So certainly that is an eminent domain process that should be used. 
So uh, while eminent domain did not get acted on, it is an issue that I think will come up in the coming session again. And currently there are hearings on the CO2 pipeline going on right now in Fort Dodge with uh, Summit Pipeline as far as them seeking the Iowa Utility Board to grant the eminent domain process to Summit, mm -hmm. who is a private company seeking to build a CO2 pipeline, which is definitely for private profit and uh, subsidized by all our tax dollars. And then we were very supportive of the property tax relief that was uh, mm -hmm. given late in the session. So like I said, very quick, got over in April this year and very efficient. So it was a great year to start our efforts in the Iowa politics more so. And we also, I think it might have been the first one ever, given our new proximity to the Iowa State Capitol, but we had a legislative reception here where we invited all the members of the House and the Senate uh, to come by for almost like a connector event for the legislators to introduce them to Landis, what we're doing, the technology that we're working on some of our key initiatives. I was there, I thought it went really well. What what was your feedback on that event? Yes, I think, I think it really was because I think building relationships with our legislators is what we need to do. One of the goals for Landis is to be a source for egg policy, for questions, for let's say a legislator has a particular bill that they're wanting to work on and perhaps we can weigh in and help them with that as far as being supportive. So having these relationships and building them I think is extremely important. Landis has a great facility. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we can look at the Capitol outside our door. So having our first one, we had over 60 people. It was a night with five receptions, and I think we had a phenomenal turnout and, and some great discussions that night. And I know there were requests made that night for people for us to get involved. So mm -hmm. I was very pleased with the first one and plan to continue and make it bigger and better for next year. It was great. And I think it's one of those things where the sum of the whole is, is maybe greater than the individual parts. We have so many locations across so many districts in Iowa that touch state senators and state representatives that when we can utilize that kind of collective approach together, I think that there's a lot more, I think you said, opportunity to have the seat at the table when there's a question, when there's a concern about a policy, to, to call Landis to get some feedback about it is an is a important strategy. I agree, and I will say Landis is really the first cooperative that's been there. There are associations that go and, and take ag interests and and watch over things but we were there on a drone bill we were there on like the other things i mentioned and i think at one point there was a legislator that said why are you here you're out of your lane because it was school vouchers and he didn't think an ag cooperative should be involved in that and i promptly said if it's rural iowa 
Landis is going to have an opinion and we're going to be involved and we're going to be active. Mm -hmm. So plan on that going forward. Mm -hmm. And then that gentleman did ask me to get involved in an issue that will be acted upon this next year, which is the Iowa Green Indemnity Fund. It's a great segue. What's what's kind of in the cards for 2024? You know, I just have a couple things that I think might be and uh, once again, we have a very strong, proactive governor that's going to come with her own agenda and with a supermajority in the House and Senate with the Republican Party. We're, we're going to hear what uh, issues are. We can still bring issues, but they're going to have a lot of control. But I think Green Indemnity Fund is one. It's, it's a fund that's been around for several years and it protects farmers on their grain sales as far as an insurance policy. It has been set up that if the fund gets too small, then actively the fund is kicked back in to refund and bring up that insurance policy. So I think the legislature will look at how to fund it, maybe some new rules, who should fund it, how it should be overseen because typically the failures have been small companies they've been organic companies and maybe need a little more oversight but i think that will be discussion this winter and i hope that eminent domain will will come up again i think it will because it didn't get settled last year mm -hmm. and the concern with the eminent domain issue is once you open it up to a private company, Katie bar the door. What's next? Mm -hmm. How many pipelines will will somebody say for the economic good? I can build a hotel, but I need to take your house for that. Is that going to be the legal precedence that we're setting with this and the IUB board? So those are two items that I think we'll see again next winter. And who knows what else, but we'll School be keeping funding. a finger on that. School funding. School funding is always a big deal. Yeah. Now with the introduction of the vouchers and kind of how it's changed, maybe the calculation of how many are private, how many are public. I think that'll be an interesting discussion. Um, there were more requests than had been expected on the school vouchers. The other thing I think we need to keep an eye on there is Will there ever be online charter schools that are allowed to have that money, that funding? Will there be homeschooling that want, starts to be funded? I think we really need to watch where that program drifts mm -hmm. and make sure that that's done responsibly. So, And those are just the Iowa issues. Right, right. We touched on some of the federal issues, obviously immigration, we're, we'll, we'll talk more, of course, about the Farm Bill. But, you know, another one that keeps coming up at a lot of our connector events is, is foreign land ownership. Yes. Um, what, what, what are you seeing in terms of movement and, and opportunities for the federal government to do something on that? You know, I think there is a lot of discussion. And um, Iowa is great because we have first in the nation caucuses. So we get a lot of political talk in Iowa and and you're hearing that as one of the uh, questions and discussions at State Fair and the other areas where the candidates are talking. 
And I think we will continue to see that as something we'll look at and a very serious issue. I think the first thing that will happen when Congress comes back after their summer break is appropriations approval. And as we've seen all year, we have a very tightly controlled House and Senate as far as getting things done and some gridlocks. So appropriations, I think, will be very difficult. And same with immigration. H-2A and immigration, legal immigration, need to be addressed. The border seems to be an issue that some um, politicians cannot get over and want that fixed before they address immigration, right or wrong. I'm not judging, but um, that is a direction we go. And then Farm Bill expires at the end of September. And so Farm Bill will be addressed, but certainly not before appropriations are done. So we ha kind of have a budget and know we've got money to spend on a Farm Bill. So you mentioned the Farm Bill. That's um, We're recording this on August 23rd. That's 37 days from today. Likely won't get anything done by the expiration of the bill. Um, but I've seen that that maybe by mid-September there'll be a draft um, and there's hope to get it done by the end of the year. What are you hearing about timing and and, and what, what would be some of the best outcome for Landis Farmers and the new farm bill? Okay, so um, there's kind of a House version of what the farm bill might be and a Senate version of what the farm bill will be and one's more Republican-based, one's more Democratic-based. And I would say before the summer recess, there was a lot of discussions. There were farm hearings. I was in one in uh, Ames earlier in the summer with Bozeman and Ernst and Grassley and their listening sessions. And they're looking for what's important to people. And so those are floating around. And I think, one, the idea that we won't have a farm bill until the end of September when it expires isn't really a big deal. It's happened before. They just have an extension. So that's not worrisome. I think what is worrisome is that 80% of the farm bill is SNAP which is the food program. And there is, the Freedom Caucus is very concentrated on wanting a more work-based outcome to get benefits, which once again, not gonna judge that, but the Farm Bill will not pass if that is tinkered with too much because Biden won't sign it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's a concern. What our budget's going to be for the farm bill? Will it be $1.3 over 10 years? Will it be $1.5 over 10 years? There's not supposed to be more money for the farm bill this year as it stands today, but there almost has to be. Mm -hmm. Food has inflated. Cost of farming has inflated to where we need more higher supports for the commodities. So there is a lot of serious discussion that has to come on just to keep what we have going, let alone all the new programs and, and 
uh, requests that are out there for the farm bill. So a lot more of the the sausage to be made yet. Yep. And so um, we've talked about maybe coming back and doing another discussion when uh, there's more information regarding where the farm bill is and what's happening with it and, and future podcasts. So I think that would be a, a wonderful thing to revisit, uh, hopefully in a month, but, but maybe in the next it couple It might of be months. in December. Right. It might be end of the year. One of two really positive things for Iowa. So with Iowa and committee members on the farm program, we have Ernst and we have Grassley on the Senate side. We have Nunn and Feenster as committee members on um, the House side. So Iowa is in a great spot as far as representation. The other thing that I am looking at and really interested in is an EATS, E-A-T-S bill that Ashley Henson, Representative Henson, was part of sponsoring. And basically what it says is a state like California can't uh, mandate how animal production is raised. So recently it's proposition 12 the supreme court has uh, ruled that california can say that like pigs can't be put in farrowing crates which have been done for years and welfare welfare activists have been successful in fighting that what that does is iowa has like a huge percent of the pork production mm -hmm. in Iowa for the whole nation to change how they raise the pork to change the expense will be extremely expensive and time consuming and where the pork industry goes from where it is today to where it has to fit will be a difficult uh either a difficult task or this EATS um, bill may help that. And the reason I look at it as a positive bill is I worry that let's say today it's pork, tomorrow it's how we raise our corn, tomorrow it's how we, uh, maybe we can't grow soybeans because it's bad for the environment or we can't grow cows because they emit gas, you know, and and some of those things. So we really need to be cognizant of that. And I'm glad to see an Iowa representative getting involved in that one. And it's a, it's an important state for a lot of reasons in that I think California's economy on its own is like the sixth largest economy in the world. Right. And so if they're using that economic power to mandate practices down the line, uh, yeah, it, it, obviously we've seen it with ethanol. You've seen it in other industries as well. They tried to do things with vehicle emissions, so yeah, it's a, it'll be interesting to watch how right. that, it, that goes. It will, and you know that the cost of pork is going up mm -hmm. if if this is done, and um, who will who will suffer the most, the, the pork producer and consumer. Uh, the consumer that's uh, already struggling Everything with is food inflation. Right. Right. I, I, one, right. One, one action has, a, has, a, has another reaction. So. Right. So, and I will say farm bill uh, to be determined, but it's very partisan right now. 
and they both have different agendas and different mm -hmm. goals. So it will be interesting to watch as it unfolds. Another fight in Washington. So yeah, imagine that. Who knew? <laughs> uh, well, thank you all very much for staying with us and listening in. Before we go, uh, Landis has been exploring ways to help farmers receive affordable, accessible, and quality health care. Uh, and has commissioned Otegrity to provide a healthcare solution for farming families and their companies. There's a couple things that you need to do in order to qualify for this service. There's a survey that we need filled out. It doesn't obligate you to anything, but it, what it does is helps us determine the baseline for the program and, and what that might look like. So those surveys need to be filled out by September 11th. They, it, it is for Landis member owners only at this point. And so if uh, that's something that you're interested in, please contact us and, and, and we can help work you, walk you through that. Uh, but uh, the survey is at landis.ag forward slash health. Again, it's, it's totally voluntary. There's no obligation to it. Fill out that survey by September 11th at landis.ag forward slash health. Thanks so much. Have a good day.